Welcome to the Geek Cheek Podcast, where we're hoping for a critical hit. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Aw, uh, rolled a one. Aw, uh, that sounds about right. Today, we're talking about uh, <laughs> tabletop RPGs in 2019. It's kind of an update on where we're at with it, and what's new, and what we've been doing, basically. Did we do a full episode on tabletop RPGs before? Because I know we've talked about it in general, and I honestly can't remember at this point if we did a full episode. Probably. We're at that point where we've recorded enough episodes that I have no idea. So I'm going to throw 2019 on the title, and then we'll just call it good and not worry about it. That's fair. I will look and see in the morning then. Yeah, but I'm, the reason I want to talk about this is because you and I have both been kind of like reevaluating them and revisiting them. I'm not actively playing anything right now, but I'll talk about that in a second. But you have been because you went to the Adventures League a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, I started playing D&D again uh, where there was a local Adventurers League, which is the the official Wizards of the Coast uh, sanctioned D&D League, basically, where you there are adventures that go on that you can basically drop your character into at any point if you're in any town and like everything... Everything is standardized in terms of loot and experience and how everything is gained. So even if you are are in Minneapolis and you come to Nashville, you can find an Adventurers League game that you can play your character in that will progress and then move back to your local games. Um, it's really a neat idea. And I learned that there were a couple of groups around here that actually play that we have like three game shops here so i decided to jump in and see what it was all about since it's fifth edition now and i've never played and this is the one that's actually like tracked by wizards right this is when you and i were talking about that i went to my first magic event ever and you went to your first adventures league and we both got that I already forgot what it's called, but the number, the DCI number. Yeah. 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 It's the DCI number and it's the, and that's how they track these. And it's weird that how they track them because they don't have to track them. That if your game shop doesn't want to be officially tracked where they have a little more leeway on things and by little i mean little bit more leeway uh they don't have to submit but uh, generally yeah you can you can track your progress uh, across your dci number and just see kind of like you do with your magic record and things like that yeah it's super interesting but it sounds like you kind of had like a mixed reaction to it right because from just from talking to you about it it sounded like you liked it and it was a good way to get back in, but also it was limiting in some ways. Yeah, we we were set for two hours that the the Adventurers League modules are written to be short, that they're not written necessarily to role play or go out of the box. The way that the Adventurers League modules that we've played and that I've read are their story points, that you're moving from point A to point B to point C to point D. And if you are running out of time, if you're having difficulty or something, there are options in that module that say, hey, if you don't want to do this, move on to section 47b and you'll skip this and your party will be fine and in order to keep it moving in the the right direction keep everything going with the right flow where uh, you don't really get into those six hour D campaigns which which are really fun and it's weird how as much as people complain about those like four to six hour D campaigns when you condense it down to four to two hours instead of four it gets really hard to play it it, it it just feels rushed and cramped. It uh, really surprised me how limiting the time limit 
was. I mean, of course, it's a time limit, but I mean, it really did feel limiting on what we could do and where we could go. It it really surprised me. Yeah, I mean, six hours feels long, but two hours also seems short. Like, I don't know yeah. what the ideal length of time is for like a tabletop session, but it's got to be somewhere between those two. Usually a four hour one is what we aim for. Like the groups that I've played in in the past, a four hour was about normal. And I've gone to a new group that we started up and I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep making it for an actual D&D non-Adventurers League campaign. And we did it in a four hour block. That was really what worked best. And by the time we were done, we were still having fun, but we were like, yeah, we need to get out of here. We have to stop. We're, we're through for the night. And so two hours is is very short, but it makes sense for the Adventurers League. So what about like Star Wars? Because I know you were playing that for a little bit and then you kind of like paused the game or ran out of... I don't know. I don't know what happened with that. Where's it, that at? It makes me sad because we stopped and we want to get back to it. It was uh, me playing it with Barry and Austin. And Barry was my tutor coordinator. He's my friend. Uh, we used to work together where Austin was my associate director. Like we were all just this trio of friends. We played Final Fantasy 14 together. Uh, they're the guys that we bought our free company house. Like we, we've done a lot of stuff like this in the past together. So we thought that the Star Wars uh, Edge of the Empire was going to be awesome awesome too and it was but then scheduling got in the way like barry's classes and night classes kept uh, coming up where he couldn't make a game you know austin has three kids uh things like that where where you and i are podcasting uh regularly where just schedules wouldn't line up and um so Austin isn't available until this August at the very least at the very earliest is August for him to even try again because of the way his work schedule goes and Barry starts teaching again then so we're not sure how we're going to handle that because we want to start playing again we really truly enjoyed that more than I think I like that system better than D&D overall but it's just a it's it is actually just a time thing it's time management and scheduling and trying to get the right people together to do it because it just kind of fell apart and petered out on its own yeah i mean scheduling seems like the biggest hurdle to me too i mean luckily i kind of have a couple people built in because i have kids um yeah so i floated the idea to them like should we try something real like a different system that's not this homebrew one that i i did a little bit of and i talked about on the podcast that they had fun with and they were like yeah absolutely and so i started looking into the different like so i looked at monster of the week and monster of the week right. is super interesting and i think if you had the right group of people that would be an amazing game but I don't think it's very kid-friendly, and it wasn't the right mm. fit for them. So even though I got my head around it, and I kind of went, oh, I see how I would play this, I decided it wasn't the game for us. Um, so I looked at D&D again, and D&D, I think, might be approachable enough, but flexible enough at the same time that I could make it work and have it be an official system. Um, I know a couple listeners have recommended other ones, too, that are kid-friendly, so I should probably put the call out for those again so I could check it out. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of... I'm in this middle ground where I wish I had more time to plan because right. every once in a while I might randomly have time to play. Like I would have a couple hours and I'd be like, oh yeah, I could sit down with the kids and play. But without having a plan, I don't feel, I think I would feel stressed instead of fun, you know, with a mm. session. Like, because I know I would be the DM. I would need to have my head around it enough to be able to like make it a fun time for them. So I need to do prep beforehand. 
Yeah, and w- especially with kids, you would probably have to do a lot of prep because they're not used to it. So having, until they are, it's almost better to have everything planned out and on rails until they can until they can start really taking things more abstractly and, and moving it forward. Aw- like, not even, not even abstractly, that's not even what I'm trying to say, where they're able to take control of it themselves more and start telling the story and altering the story if they're not used to doing that yet yeah exactly and like i gave them the player's handbook and i said here make characters if you're interested and they did so it's like oh okay we're kind of set up like they're interested in it and they obviously are like willing to do a little bit of work so i just have to figure out like what campaign i want to run and how to even get started which is kind of where i'm stalling out right now just because i don't have enough time and energy yeah and that's that's actually where adventurers league is great and i mean i don't know the area around where you are in the game shops or anything like that but and and whether they would be friendly toward uh, kids your your kids age but i mean that is what adventurers league was designed for was for drop-in play like even if you are a 100 percent beginner coming in you can sit down with a character there are pre-made characters that you can get sit down and actually play the game coming in for the first time so uh there's a dnd starter set and there's actually that that your kids would love it's actually the one that they start the adventure zone with the uh the the adventure that they start out with where they get the uh go in with all the goblins and go into the cave and everything oh yeah that i is have the, that one the, okay you have that one yep and I, have, there's one... I actually have a bunch of campaign books too so that's not even the problem because i have that one i have i'm not gonna remember all the names of them but there's one that's all about dragons something with tiamat and stuff and then there's yeah. one with giants i have that one and i think i have one more so i have campaign books like i have sources to draw from it's just like sitting down and doing the prep like i haven't found any right. time for it and the main reason I was even bringing that up is because that starter set has limited rules with it that uh, that you can play under without getting too deep into the uh, the nuance of the player's handbook and the DM's guide and everything, where there are just a couple of printed out sheets that if you needed to do it with less prep, you can basically run off of those handouts. Yeah, that's sweet. I'm glad that they have options like that out there. And GURPS may also be an option for you where you basically take, I think, 4d6 is basically all you have just normal cube dice and uh it's the generic universal role-playing system uh by steve jackson games uh but it it lets you do anything it's super easy to get going and roll characters and so that one is like crazy good for beginners oh they're excited to roll different dice basically like they've seen oh, all the different kinds sense. of dice so i think D might be the way to get them on board so i keep that's meaning to true about time yeah. and whenever i do i really do intend to try to start something with them i don't know if it'll be an ongoing campaign or more of an experimental just like one-off and see how it goes but i fully intend to once i have time and it sounds like that's kind of where you're at too you want to do more but you don't have enough time right yeah, and when we started fostering Ava, the uh, the dog I mentioned, I think it was last week, the my time actually got a little bit more taken up. And uh, I mean, you're with kids, you're like, yeah, with a dog, man. But it's uh, because we can't leave her alone with the cat, so we have to either keep her put up in a room or be here with her. And so with Jennifer working late sometimes, just the way that her schedule works, I can't always, you know, go out for a week because I need to actually stay here with the 
dogs and uh, it's uh, 4th of July time so they're losing their minds and people are still firing fireworks. It's the middle of July. We're recording this on the 16th of July and people are still firing fireworks which has uh, made it so that uh, honestly leaving the house at night uh, has been harder for me to do. You live in a very different part of the country than I do, which yeah, you and I talked about this off air, I think, after the episode last week, but your town is actually like a headquarters for a fireworks company, right? Yeah, it is. Um, if you guys go out and you buy TNT fireworks, they're based here in my my, my hometown. Uh, Joel Anderson uh, owns them and like Books a Million, the regional book chain, uh, that family is based here. So uh they uh we get a lot of fireworks stuff around here yeah we just i we get them on the fourth of july and that's about it so different but still that's unfortunate with the dogs and like you said less time on your hands it is and that's really what it is it's dnd seems to be all about time like not even time to play it as you're sitting at the table but time outside of the actual gameplay of prep and being able to have actually find the time to sit at the table like part of the game is moving everything else around in your life so that you can actually play it yes it's a big challenge which is hard to overcome so i'm extremely open to other systems if people have recommendations i'm soliciting those again so send those my way on twitter or email the podcast or any of the places you guys know where to find us basically um (laughs) but before we wrap up the main topic i wanted to end on a high note because i kind of figured this is where you and i were both landing with tabletop rpgs we just hadn't talked it out so i wanted to talk it out right um but i think the high note here is that there's still so many good um rpg podcasts like live plays and i know you finally got into the adventure zone which i'm super excited about but outside of that there's a lot of other ones out there and i think what i've found that I'm a fan of is ones that have a story to tell that are kind of like putting the characters a little bit more on rails than you would typically have because it gets you through a story. And that's interesting for me. I like narrative. Um, There's also a lot of them out there that I know other people love that are more like collaborative world building. And there are some that are by creators that I just love all their other work. And I just can't listen to because it's too much back and forth between the players and the dm with oh what's this world gonna be or what's this town gonna be or you know they almost like they break out a character and they step back and they kind of discuss the world but for the right kind of person that kind of thing is amazing so i wanted to highlight that those exist too but for me like what are some of the shows because like i know the adventure zone by name because i've heard it so much but i don't actually know the name of any of those other shows like that the really good ones and the only other one that i actually know of is critical role because it's like so absurdly popular which is actually why i've not watched or listened to any of it is because i'm being kind of hipster on that one yeah i haven't been able to get into that one either i think those are really like long play sessions and it's like a bunch Mm. of professional voice actors and i don't know there's something about that that i haven't been able to get past i wish i could i'm glad that's not just me because you love them and i thought that it was just me because everybody loves them and i'm like okay maybe this just isn't my thing but you love them and you still don't do it so i feel vindicated i feel validated that it's like okay (laughs) maybe i'm not crazy no there's something about it that i i wish i liked more than i do and that's what i feel like about a lot of live play podcasts um there's one that i love like one of the creators in it so much it's called friends at the table and 
I it it's by Austin Walker who does um Waypoint the podcast. He's like a video game writer and editor and he's like the editor in chief for Waypoint, which is Vice's gaming division. And yeah. I just I absolutely love his stuff. But he does Friends at the Table as his own side project and it is so fascinating to me, but it doesn't have enough on Rails narrative because they do so much oh. work building the world together that I I keep getting pulled back to the adventure zone. Like I keep re- re-listening to the balance arc because Griffin has a story to tell and everybody else riffs on it in a good way. Yes. But it always moves forward. And that's so key for me. That's actually what makes it so engaging for me as well. It's like I mentioned this when I was talking about it in Geekery a couple of weeks ago about how I feel like I know these guys now and their entire interaction, the way that they riff on each other, that really helps. That chemistry between the brothers makes it so much more entertaining. But at the same time, what I'm interested in isn't so much those characters other than Taco. I am more interested in the overall story to find out about this arc like I want to know what's going on with uh, and I don't want to say anything because you didn't spoil it for me so I don't want to spoil it for anybody else but I want to know what's going on with all of the (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly exactly Um, (laughs) but it's it's super fascinating too because I've listened to all of the adventure zone and after they finish the balance arc they move away from D&D and it's fascinating to listen to what they do when they're in other systems because some just don't fit that style as well so it makes me believe that a lot of these other creators a lot of these other podcasts if they try different systems that better fit them or like narrative storytelling i might like them more um because like the balance arc is super awesome like i love it um, and then they do the these experimental arcs for a while, which are hit and miss, but it's super fascinating to see the different ways that it works or the ways that it doesn't work. And then the second main arc that they're in, well, they're not even in the middle of right now. They're almost at the very end of it, um, is Monster of the Week, which is why I looked into that one more. And it, I don't know, there's there's not as much room for like riffing on each other and mm. um, rolling dice to make mistakes. I think one of the things that's really cool about D&D in hindsight, now having listened to the Adventure Zone trial these different systems, is that D&D gives you so many points where you can fail and then you have to improvise in interesting ways. Whereas a lot of right. other ones that are more like, let's build a world, and then you do like one critical like role or one you know important um, event or ability or whatever, is that you have like, Okay, there's one chance for something to happen. Whereas D&D, it's constantly like, oh, roll and check and see what happens. Oh, roll and check. Um, And that could get annoying, but in the right hands of the right DM, it gives a lot of opportunity for interesting randomness to happen. And with D&D, it is up to the DM on how many of those checks they do. Yes. Where sometimes, like, that's what I like about uh, about systems that are as open as D&D. Not even just D&D. Like, the Star Wars one is open like this as well, where you can make checks, and that enhances the game. But if it ever gets to the point where it is mechanically burdensome, then they can pull it back and just let the players do their thing or tell the story that's that's being done there, where if it's not an option like you said it could feel very off but uh, finding the balance as a as a game master or dungeon master is the is really what separates the good ones from the bad ones 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you can tell that Griffin gets there in the adventure zone, especially with the balance arc. Like if there's something super cool, he'll just let them do it. Like he'll find a way to make it happen. And I think that's the kind of DM that I would be. So maybe that's why it appeals to me too. I told you before that Griffin, listening to Griffin sounds like listening to you uh, play D&D. Like I swear that that he reminds me of you. Like if you and I were ever to actually start that playcast, the uh, the Geek to Geek playcast that we had talked about, the actual play thing, I know that I I feel like it would just be Griffin. Yeah. Like you could... I would play very similar to him, which is maybe why the Adventure Zone is so appealing to me. Um, maybe so, yeah. There's a lot out there, guys. There's tons and tons of DD podcasts and other RPG podcasts, and I would really suggest checking out Friends at the Table because there's really good stuff there. It's just I haven't been able to get over some of like the world-building aspects of it, but if you're into that, I bet you would absolutely love that. Um, but yeah, besides that, any other last thoughts on tabletop RPGs? Like... For the most part, it's uh, been kind of overwhelming to get back in. I mean, that is, I love this stuff, and I get really into something when I get in it. And this is one where I'm trying not to, because this group that I'm playing with, they really have a different Dungeons & Dragons campaign every night of the week, or try to. Like, they they have at, well, they have at least five a week of going on with home games and the shop games. And so it's hard for me to feel like going into those those people's established group, even with Adventure, uh, Adventurers League, I was going to say even with the Adventure Zone, uh, even with the Adventurers League, it uh, feels a little overwhelming, but it's a lot of fun to do as well. And so I'm glad that the Adventurers League is there to be able to meet new people, make new friends, but also not feel that uh, compulsion and kind of second jobbiness that comes from uh, having a weekly campaign that lasts four to six hours. Yeah, that could be very challenging. And I feel bad because I started one that we started the first night of it and then we got Ava. And so it's we can't I can't do it like I just can't go every Wednesday night to be able to do it, like I said. So I feel bad about starting an actual campaign that's not a drop in campaign and not being able to do it. So I may just have to stick to Adventurers League, which is fine because it's fun. I feel like one of us is going to get back around to this pretty soon, which is why I wanted to talk it all through, because I I feel like it's imminent for one of us or the other one. I just don't know who's going to break and end up doing it in what respect. So we'll revisit this in Geekery soon. I'm sure it's not that far off. Oh, yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah, I've still got my player's handbook sitting beside me and all of my dice uh, (laughs) here in the bag, like like just right here. You can hear all of my dice. Yes. uh, But it's uh, it's just something where it's. uh, Harder to do than I anticipated as an adult, which, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, as an adult, I think scheduling is the real end boss of basically everything you try to do. It's <laughs> yes. just, it's hard. It's hard. Um, okay, we'll revisit in Geekery as it comes up, I'm sure. Um, so for this week, before we get into our Geekery for this episode, uh, let's talk about Geeky Off for the week. So this week, we want to actually remind you guys about PodCoin. PodCoin is a podcast app that you can listen to and actually get paid for listening. It sounds like a scam. We know that, but it's not. You earn points <laughs> as you listen to podcasts, and then you can trade those in for uh, different gift cards, donate them to the charity of the month, things like that. I know a lot of people who have actually listened to more podcasts than ever 
because they feel that they're being compensated for it, which is awesome. Um, I know Austin has told me that he's started listening to a lot of different podcasts now. Uh, just keeps them on listening as he goes through his day. So it's pretty awesome to be able to trade that in and get gift cards. Um, so if you want to sign up for it, uh, you can go to, I think it's Podcoin app dot com or podcoin dot com uh, their podcoin app on twitter and uh, you can use the code geek and get 300 podcoins for free awesome uh around the network this week geekitude with ray and joe they talked about dark phoenix they had a spoiler cast and then i think we're actually two episodes behind so um the other one that just came out yesterday as we're recording was the spider-man homecoming episode and yes. then tea time with katie and chelsea they also had a spoiler cast for uh, spider-man homecoming um and then the Far episode that came out yeah we're too behind there too um the other one that just came out for them was just tv recommendations for new shows that are out right now which was awesome um and then sometimes rob he had another episode hit that was he interviewed somebody from i think it's cosplaying for a cause is the group that he's a part of it's something like that even if i'm not getting the wording exactly right but he interviewed her all about like raising geek kids and what goes into that and how to incorporate those kids into your geekery and into what you do so this lens was kind of through like costuming and cons and events and that kind of thing which was super interesting for me to hear and it's also great for people who are in our audience i know that that there are a lot of people who do that and are interested in it so it's a really really good look at that for you guys as well yeah, it was sweet. And then, of course, Capsule J streaming Tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern and sometimes on Thursdays and weekends. And Troidal streams on Thursdays and then sometimes randomly after dinner. Um, what else was going on this week around the Geekery? Um, that's a good question. Uh, on the Geekery this week, Austin is still talking about Dragon Quest Six, I believe. And uh, the 13th story uh, doesn't have anything because Bobby is in the middle of a move right now. So you guys can uh, just go to geekdeekmedia.com slash geekery and uh, see what we've got going on sweet um what'd you have for our geekery this week what have you been up to I've been Spider-Manning it up. Sweet. That just constantly, like, uh, with Far From Home, I actually saw Far From Home again this weekend, that we had a bunch of AMC gift cards, so we were able to go see it for free, and it was awesome. Seeing it a second time, it's not quite as just in-your-face amazing as it was the first time, because there were so many just twists in this movie, but it was still character-driven, everything still lined up, and uh, I actually enjoyed MJ and Peter a lot more in this particular viewing than I ever did before, because I was able to focus on how they interacted. Like, it was really great. Um so I'm um, I'm excited that I got to see that again. I bought and watched the end of the Spider-Verse Blu-ray finally, and it is still every bit as good as I remember. Um, and I, I looked at it like I, I watched it the night after we watched Far From Home for the first time. And looking at them as, and trying to compare them like which is better, which is the better Spider-Man movie is looking at apples and oranges. They are so different that that I can't. Like they are two completely different kinds of movie. So the uh, I'm really I just love Into the Spider-Verse that everything about it is good. It's so pretty that on Blu-ray it it might even be prettier than it was in the theater on Blu-ray just because of how rich the colors can get on TV and it's it's just insane. And this year um just the year is mine and Jennifer's 10-year anniversary. So uh we're not sure what we're going to be doing for Halloween and I bring that up because we were married on Halloween uh, for those of you who don't know, but uh, if we do the costume thing this year, uh I'm t- 
totally going to be janky old broke hobo Spider-Man for Halloween <laughs> because he is my that may be my favorite version of Peter Parker ever is janky old broke hobo Spider-Man. That's amazing. I would love to see you as that. I need pictures. And, oh, oh, there would be so many pictures. And it's like it, it actually helps that from my weight loss, I do constantly just have like a midsection pudge because of the loose skin around my midsection. So no matter what, even if I'm as fit as I've ever been, I could always pull off a janky old broke hobo Spider-Man costume. There you go, making it work. And I've been playing the Spider-Man PS4 game as well. That made me want to get back into that game. Like, remember, watching both of those, I was like, man, I love good Spider-Man stories. And, of course, as I do every time, like, dragons are like Spider-Man. I always forget. And um, so I went back to the Spider-Man PS4 game and finished out the story. It is such a good story, and it it just goes I don't even know how to say it. like you've beat it and you've beaten all the DLC and so you told me how well it ended but what the ending the I didn't realize the ending was going to make me cry and I'm so invested with these characters and I and and there are things that happen that are really emotional don't get me wrong but the the investment that I've had like for a lifetime of these characters and the way that that game handles it I teared up at the end of this uh this game and it may be the second or third game that ever made me cry third game that ever made me cry final fantasy 9 final fantasy 15 and spider-man on the ps4 uh are the only games that ever had a story that made me cry and uh going back into it now um like it has all the new costumes from far from home like they updated it so you can get the uh the black and red one from far from home that he makes and the uh the stealth suit that he's in so you can go around in both of those now uh they're free that was a free dlc because i haven't bought the season pass yet um which i can't wait for i'm actually not buying the dlc on purpose because if i do i'm not going to go through and platinum the game which i want to do first i want to go through and and actually complete all of the uh, the trophies, which are going through and completing all the districts, doing all the crimes, uh, doing all the research stations, all the taskmaster challenges, things like that, and side quests. And I'm having such a good time doing that. that yeah, that's uh, such a great game. It's one of the very rare ones that I've ever actually platinumed. That's what I was going to ask. I couldn't remember if you had platinumed the game or if you got close and was like, eh, I'm going to move on to the DLC and never went back. I did. I platinumed the game. Um, I did not go through and platinum all of the DLC pieces because it was by that point I had had a big break from it. And going back to it, I was like, oh, I wanted there to be more or I wanted there to be new variety. And it was kind of more of the same. So I played the DLC for the story and that was about it. But the core game, I platinumed that because I was having so much fun and I just wanted to do more of it. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was with me. Is like I beat the game, and the campaign was actually a little shorter than I thought it would be. Like when it ended, I thought there would probably be about another two hours before it got to that point. But it was fine. It was a, a fantastically told story, and the I don't want the DLC yet because I know, like I said, what I'll do. And all of the things that you do to platinum the game, they all have bits and pieces of story with them. That that's what really surprised me the most is going 
through these different challenges, going through the the different just side quests. Obviously, side quests have story, but every little thing that you do has interactions with the world. Like you do a research station, and you know, in an hour or so, J. Jonah Jameson is live streaming about something you did and how terrible it made you because you're Spider Man. And it's just like how they've put this together has made it feel so organic that even going and doing the the grind for uh for getting all the costumes and uh and finishing out all this stuff still feels like you're accomplishing things in the story which is almost impossible to do in a video game like this yeah it's so good i'm glad that you got back to it because it's such a good game and i knew you would love it but i also know that you kind of like I don't you stalled out and then something else came up and then you didn't get back to it. So I'm just glad yeah. that you got back around to it. And I knew I would do it eventually. I never even uninstalled it from my PS4 because I knew for a fact I would get back to it. It just took uh, a really good Spider-Man story to make me be like, I need to finish that really good Spider-Man story. <laughs> there you go. That, I mean, that works. It got you back to it. So it success. Did. Yeah. On my end for Geekery this week, um, I don't have any Forge Job Fiesta update. And I'm thinking this might be the first year that I stall out and I don't finish it. I think in past years, I had beaten it by now at this point. I and think so. I realized what's happening is that the last couple years, I was playing it a lot over my lunch breaks. I would make like, you know, basically an hour of progress every single workday. And yeah. then I would take that momentum into like home at night right before bed. And instead of reading or doing something else on my phone, I would maybe play like another half hour, maybe an hour if I was, you know, just still very awake when it was bedtime. Um, so I would get in an hour to two every day. And you can if you're doing the four job fiesta, you can basically beat it in like 25 hours, maybe less. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really taking lunch breaks anymore. Like the way that work goes for me is busy it's very busy and i love my job and i love the challenge of it and everything about it but most of my days right now i work from 6 a.m till 4 p.m without any real break like maybe i'll take 15 minutes to go for a walk over the lunch hour when other people are eating but like there's way too much on my plate like i gotta work the entire time so i'm usually working a 10-hour day pretty much nonstop, and it's fine because i like the job and i'm compensated for it and like all of the things, right? There's there's a whole different right. discussion about labor practices. I'm not concerned about that because everything's working out for me. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't know why that hit me so hard. It, yeah, I'm not going to go into details, but like, I, I understand that argument. I would never have worked this amount when I was getting paid what I used to get paid, or if I was at at a lower position in a company where you know I right. wasn't manager level or above. Um, I was very good about drawing hard lines at work you know like i'd leave work and i would never think about it again for the day and that's not how i am i'm connected basically 24 7 now unless i'm on a vacation and so my time is just way different than it used to be because so much of it goes towards work um so i just don't have lunch break time and i don't really because i don't have that i don't have the momentum into my time at home so yeah i'm still sitting where i was last week and i just i don't know i might have to drop it i might have to just come back next year and try it again and that happens i mean that's something that you're doing this for fun and it shouldn't feel like a job that it's uh, i mean it's a fiesta it's a party and if you don't if you don't have fun with it you don't have time with it don't stress on it that's that's just what it is it is what it is yeah so i have been playing other things though like i said it's just because i don't have that like lunch break momentum that i'm not carrying it through at home i still have time at home where i'm doing other stuff so i tried uh dr mario world this last week which just came Mm -hmm. out on mobile it's bad it's really bad it's not good no it is so not good it's very much a mobile game you know um in the worst way 
Yeah, not in a good way. Like, sorry, I like a lot of mobile games. This is like a mobile game in a bad way. Um, there are a lot of things here that look and feel like Dr. Mario. Like, there are pills. Um, you know, you swipe them around. They fall up instead of down just because of it makes more sense on the phone. It's easier to do one-handed. Um, but besides that, it's basically like dr mario skinned but it's a puzzle game it's not actually Mm -hmm. the game of dr mario that you would expect it's more about like a drag and drop puzzle and you know it's there's not real like stability with it the puzzles Mm -mm. really feel punitive after like level 20 or so they feel like they're designed in a way that either you execute them perfectly or your brain doesn't work like that so you need to use items and then oh you're out of items you better pay us some money to get some more items and then oh you're out of energy you gotta wait to get more energy or you can pay us to get energy right now it's like this is the worst monetization that i've ever seen in a nintendo game ever honestly their mobile style has completely degraded where i didn't even i downloaded dr mario i played a level or two hated everything about it and i don't even know if i uninstalled it but i've not opened it up again and ever since mario run it's everything has gotten a little bit worse in quality for me where it's not that any of them until this have been bad it's like i've liked all of them in their own way but Mario Run is the only one that I spent considerable time with because it's the only one that didn't have the gotcha mechanics, that it felt like an actual game. and But people complained about having to pay up front for it. So now they're doing this, with and the monetization in every one of them gets just a little bit worse. Yeah, and I mean, I like some of the games that they have that's a Nintendo mobile game with mobile monetization. Like, I'm still playing Dragalia Lost every day. I don't think I've wow. missed a day since that game has come out. Like, that is a daily part of my life. And I don't talk about it every week because you guys could get bored because it's the same thing. Like, it's the same game, but I enjoy it. I play it for probably 15 minutes a day, maybe 20 minutes, and it's perfect. Like, I use it as something to help me wake up in the morning, and it's great. Um, Wow. And I still go back and do stuff in Fire Emblem every once in a while, Fire Emblem Heroes. I'm not playing Mm -hmm. it actively like I used to, but it's still a good game. And I would not at all be surprised if when I get into Fire Emblem, when the new one comes out, if you hear about me playing Heroes again, um, this one is just bad. Like, this is the first Nintendo mobile game that I'm very willing to say is just a bad game. And I'm hoping that this is not indicative of what Mario Kart World, Mario Kart Tour is going to be. Oh, yeah. uh, I hope not. It's coming out soon, and so I'm really hoping that this is just a miss, that this is is nothing but... um, Nothing but a dud that they made a mistake. They put this one out and it's bad because if they mess up Mario Kart, they're going to have a riot. The one thing that's kind of a silver lining here, I don't want to be completely negative on it because there's this one thing we get out of it. And it's this conversation. There's Dr. Luigi. There's Dr. Peach. There's Dr. Bowser. There are medical assistants in this game like Goombas. I think there's Dr. Toad. (laughs) I suspect that these people do not actually have valid medical credentials. And we should really (laughs) talk about that. Because, honestly, think about it. (laughs) They just have coats and they have the little head thing. Like, they're throwing pills at people. It's just, it's viruses and all they do is throw colored pills at them. That does not seem like proper medical practice to me. And I think it should be investigated further. That, we, I don't even know how to respond to this. 
Okay, well, that's my silver lining, is that I got yeah. to have that thought. That was fun. It's true. Um, that, that is <laughs> that is worth it. That is That entire game's development is worth it. Because I'm just sitting here, I wish people could see my face. Like, I'm like that uh, Dexter blinking gif, but uh, I'm also smiling at the same time. <laughs> I had, like, an hour-long conversation with my wife about that. It was, it was fun. Um, <laughs> so, the other thing that I have been playing that I've been enjoying through various aspects is uh, the Final Fantasy remasters. So I'm kind of visiting all of them. I know that I'm probably going to get locked down on a new game that's coming out soon, whether that's Marvel, which is out this week for Ultimate Alliance 3 or Fire Emblem. All of the pre-release coverage that I'm reading makes this game sound even more up my alley than any of the previous Fire Emblem games. Guys, it sounds like it's a ton of quality of life improvements for the battles paired with like turning the story and the upgrade system into like persona. Like it's personifying not personification but persona the game it's like getting closer to that with how you advance story and relationships and characters and everything i'm hearing sounds like my kind of game so i might get sucked into that soon but until then i'm kind of dabbling with some other stuff and some of these final fantasy remasters is one of those things so i started final fantasy 9 one night and my daughter walked by and she's like what's this and i told her and she was like can i watch or play with you and i said yeah sure so she sat down and then about a minute later my son walked by and he was like what is this same conversation (laughs) happened and so they were just sitting there and i mean the game doesn't have any voice acting it's all reading right like i mean you know this game yeah thank goodness i can't even imagine that game with voice acting honestly yeah and they just sat and they were just enraptured and this was the like the second minute of the game like i literally just started it for the first time in years and so they were watching and so i was like do you guys want to try it like after they watched a little bit and they were like yeah so i passed the controller to my daughter and she played for like an hour and then we passed to my son and he played for like an hour and one i'm super impressed with how fast my kids read they read almost as fast as i do now like i was not slowing down to like the pace that i read for them and i would stop every once in a while and say are you reading all this do you have any questions should i slow down they're like no i'm seeing all of it i was like okay that's amazing good job kids yeah and then the other thing is they're just super interested in it so in experiencing this like i handed the control over and i got to watch final fantasy whereas before i've never really just watched the game i've always been playing the game and i noticed that the intro of final fantasy 9 is really good and it does a lot of interesting things with jumping back and forth between different characters while setting the scene and telling the story all at the same time the intro for final fantasy 9 is kind of amazing they've done it so well like everything about that game is put together so well. It's almost like Final Fantasy V, just how well they put this system together. That's the way Final Fantasy IX's story feels to me, where like they knew exactly what they were doing and what story they wanted to tell when they started it out. Yeah, it's really good. So I'm going to keep playing that with the kids. You know, we're not playing regularly. We don't have like a scheduled time that we're doing it, but we've played a couple different sessions. We're probably like five hours into the game. So that's super cool that I've been able to do that with them. Um... I was going to play that one on my own. That was my original intention until the kids wandered into the room. So I was like, well, what else is out there for Final Fantasy remasters? So I grabbed the 10 and 10-2 remaster because it comes together. Um, right. And I had beaten 10 more recently, so I opened up 10-2 and I gave it a shot. And it is a lot rougher around the edges than I remembered. Maybe it's because it's like an asset flip game. Like they really right. quickly reused a lot of them. Um, it also does some things with letting you choose the order that you experience the story and i Mm -hmm. feel like that's probably a detriment to its overall narrative um 
And the other thing is like, wow, we've just come such a long way with VO and animation since the PS2 era. So those pieces are rough. But the thing is that battle system is still one of the best battle systems in Final Fantasy. It's so good. It is amazing. Like the class and combat system is super interesting. You know, it's the only reason that I'm still playing it and I didn't hard bounce off this game. But there are so many classes. I'm maybe like two or three hours into the game and I already have gunner, warrior, thief, singer. There's something that's like a festivalist or something. There's a black mage and a white mage. Like I have all of those and I'm barely into the game at all. And you're constantly picking up more. And then the garment grid and the dress sphere system is super interesting. So each dress sphere is basically like a class or a job and the garment grid lets you lay them out in different patterns. As an example, um, if you think about a square, there's like a, a corner. At each corner, imagine a node where you could put one job, right? And yep. so if you want to go from one corner to the one that's the opposite corner from it, you can't go directly through it. You have to go through a different corner to get there. So you would have to go from one job to a second job to get to the third job that you actually want to get to, right? That's the basic premise of the garment grid. Now, yeah. take that premise and apply it to lots and lots of crazy shapes. That's how the game actually works. There's, I don't know if there's one that's actually a square because that would be boring. But usually they hold a ton of different jobs. And what it lets you do is you can switch between any of those jobs in the middle of a battle. So you don't yes. have to wait until after battle. You can actively be switching jobs in the middle of battle, and it totally changes the feel of it. And it changes like the way that... It's almost the way that Final Fantasy thirteen battles feel when you're switching roles and uh, things like that, only you get to actually control things. Yes, it's almost halfway between like a Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy thirteen. honestly. Which it is kind of fantastic. splits the difference. And I liked the battles in thirteen, so I'm one of the people who honestly enjoyed that part of the game. So I really like the 10-2 battles. This is, like you said, probably the best battle system in the series. It's it's really good. I don't know if I would call it the absolute best, but it's way up there. It's one oh, yeah, it's of the best. It's definitely up there. Yeah, but it, there's no question. So I've beaten that game once. You know, I don't know if I'm going to end up beating it again. I really doubt it. But for now, I'm having fun messing around with the job system and the battle system. Um, I could care less about the story because I've already beaten it. Like, I know the story and it's not all that compelling, but the rest of it has been keeping me interested lately. So that's cool. And then the other thing I did was... I flipped over to Final Fantasy X because it was it's the same game, it's in the same client, all that. I had yep. downloaded it already. I basically just wanted to see if the storytelling and animation and VO felt as rough as it did in Final Fantasy X-2. And it doesn't, which is interesting. Hmm. I think there was a lot more production values and a lot more time put into Final Fantasy X. Um, yeah. It's still of its era. I mean, it's still PS2 era, you know, so it's not as refined as we're used to. But it seems a lot better than Ten Two, which is interesting on the story side, at least. That is interesting because it felt super rough to me going back. And a lot of the PS2 games I've gone back to that have either been remastered or actually on the PS2 have felt that. Like I really do feel them as being retro games at this point. But I haven't played Ten Two, so it's interesting to me because of how rough I remember Ten being. That Ten Two was worse. Yeah, so that's kind of what I've been up to. I've been messing around with Final Fantasies and disappointed in Mario and questioning his credentials. And yeah, I guess Um, the the other thing that I've been doing that I know I mentioned the other week was I've been watching the MCU with my kids. So 
we finished phase one and we're yay we finished the first movie of phase two but i'll probably talk about phase two when we actually wrap it up so they sat through all of phase one one of the things that i noticed and i feel like i may have mentioned this before but it's worth reiterating iron man one is the least kid-friendly mcu movie out of all of them like yes it really is you have to like my kids wanted to watch from the beginning and i didn't tell them that that hulk movie was included because it's dumb and it shouldn't be but Mm -hmm. i you know iron man one is the beginning in that case so i basically had to like skip past most of the first 20 or 30 minutes um you can watch the first five or ten but then you have to skip like 20 or 30 minutes in the middle (laughs) and basically if you're gonna watch iron man one with kids edit out everything with the terrorists and the cave and just go to the part where he's leaving the cave after he's made the suit that's where it gets more kid friendly again but even that it's it's kind of questionable out of all the mcu movies we watched in phase one that's the one that i felt the most on edge about letting my kids see it's weird too because you can tell that it's a very high production value movie that it was they they knew what they were doing when they made it but they didn't know what the mcu was going to be because it hadn't been this major success yet so going after that with it being as as insane as it actually ended up being Iron Man 1 feels I don't want to say it feels rough but it doesn't feel quite like the MCU yet that yeah, it uh, really doesn't they didn't realize the mass appeal it was going to have so they tried to edge it up a little bit and uh, it didn't work that's not what it ended up being so yeah Jennifer and I were surprised by that going in as well yeah when we went back to it phase one was really cool that they watched it all with me um Thor 1 was better than I remembered even though I still don't think it's a great movie I know you disagree but it, right. I will give it that it's better than I remembered. This is probably the fourth time I've ever seen it. Mm. Um, the yeah. first Avengers movie is still amazing. That's such it's a good so movie. Good. Yep. It's just a good movie. It, it's just fun to watch. I don't care who I don't care who you are. It's funny right there. <laughs> it's a great movie. I love the first Avengers movie. Um, and then my kids are excited to watch all the rest of the MCU movies and catch up. Yeah, so, I like I said, we started phase two, but just barely. And then the other thing was um, I printed out a list for them of like it would have the name of the phase and then all the movies in the phase. So they're basically in chronological order of the way they released. And right. they've been excited to like cross them off and look at the next one and like, oh, dad, what do you think about the next phase? What's your favorite movie in there? Or what are you most excited for? Or, you know, we have those discussions. Like, what are you guys excited for? What do you want to see? So it's been super fascinating to hear from them what they like and what they don't like and what they're getting hyped for because they've never been exposed to, like, really any of that marketing. So it's purely based on what they've seen in, like, games and ancillary media and, you know, kids at school. And they you can't avoid marketing because that's part of life. But, you know, what they've seen in, like, some of the marketing but they've never Mm -hmm. really seen the trailers or like the core movies or any of that yet so they're coming from it from a completely different place than i'm used to and it's it's so fascinating to me they both seem extremely excited for well i should say my son really likes captain america he's a Mm -hmm. huge captain america fan already Um, so he wants to see more of the captain america movies but my daughter is so excited to watch the spider-man movies and i don't know where that came from um except that I think that's awesome because Spider-Man is great. Yeah, he's the best. I mean, it is, I think that she is a stand-up human being. Yes, well, I do too, but for other reasons. Um, (laughs) And then the other thing is, it sounds like my wife might join us in this watch because she realized that they're actually serious about it and they've been sitting down and actually watching them with me. So she said after we get past Winter Soldier, because she's not a fan of that one at all. And that's 
Yeah, that's kind of where I lost her when we were watching the MCU. She watched the first phase with me as they were coming out. And then um, Winter Soldier is where she was like, yeah, I'm done with this. This is dumb. I don't like this movie at all. Um, and then she came back around and she watched bits and pieces throughout. So I think she watched Guardians of the Galaxy with me. Um, she saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. She saw Doctor Strange. And I want to say she saw like Age of Ultron. And that might be it. So I, Man, we were she talking... picked some of uh, the uh, worst ones to watch too, didn't she? I disagree. I like a lot of those ones. Um, I like them, but they are not the highest quality of them. I like Guardians a lot, but that's, Guardians that's... is great. It was the others. Okay, I, we can have that fight later. But <laughs> but anyway, like she she just kind of got a scatter shot of random ones after Winter Soldier because it pushed her away from the MCU so hard. So she told the kids, she's like, "Yeah, after you guys finish Winter Soldier, I'll start watching these with you." So it sounds like wow. it might turn into a whole family thing, which would be awesome. I would love that. That would be awesome. Yeah, it makes me sad that she didn't like the Winter Soldier though, because that's really right up there. That might be like our mine and Jennifer's like when we've gone through it. Winter Soldier might be our second favorite out of any of them. That Winter yeah. Soldier is just wonderful. That I the only thing I don't like is the very end of it. It gets a little too over the top uh, at the at the end when they're dealing with the the whole like helicarrier truth surveillance thing. But they uh, until then like it's one of my favorite action movies. It's just everything about it I love and uh, to have her just not like it like I understand people like that's not my favorite one of them but to have her like have it bounce off of the MCU I'm really curious about what it is that that did that because I haven't ever heard that particular reaction from it yeah I I'm not I don't particularly like it either like I don't hate it it's just kind of it's one of the weaker MCU movies in my book and I know that most people don't feel that way but she really didn't like it so and that's what happened. That that stinks. I'm glad to hear that she's I'm glad to hear that she's getting back into it though, where she'll be able to really experience as you guys go through and, and it'll be new for her too. I mean, you'll see it from a kid's perspective and from an adult's perspective who didn't get who actually got hit by the marketing, didn't fall for it, and then goes back to actually see if she enjoys it. Yeah, so I will report back probably mostly phase by phase. I don't want to cover every movie and everyone's reaction to every movie. That would turn into a completely different podcast. But um, <laughs> probably once we finish up phase two, I'll uh, I'll have an update for everybody on it. That sounds awesome. I, I look forward to hearing about how they all like them. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, so that's probably it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. Those are also great places to give me recommendations for tabletop systems to play with my kids. Um, we also have longer discussions on our thread on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links so you can hang out with us and you can check out all the other content we have on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me or give me tabletop recommendations at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's and you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. We've been Void and Beach with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Hey Geeks, this is Capsule J. I'm a streamer on the Geek to Geek Media Network. 
If you like discovering new games and chatting with cool nerdy folks, be sure to check out my channel on Twitch. You can find it at twitch.tv slash capsulej. That's C-A-P-S-U-L-E-J-A-Y. I stream a blend of indies, retro games, and RPGs most Tuesday nights from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern, and occasionally on Thursdays and weekends. Hope to see you then. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello, friends. This is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch, chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch, where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch. Hello, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And together we are Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture. We talk about books, movies, music, basically anything we want at this point. Yes, we obsess about K-pop. And Keanu Reeves. And sometimes Katie cries on the podcast. Hey, that's rude. But really, we are just here to talk about all the things that we love. So make sure to head over to teatimewithkc.com and geek2geekmedia.com to check us out. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you download your podcasts. Bye! Bye.